Well, amen. You guys can be seated. And happy, uh, let me just be another person to say it. Happy 2024, Northside. It's good to be here. My name is Jacob. I'm on the teaching team. Um, and it just feels like it's been a year since I've seen you. Ha, ha, ha. This is the type of morning we're going to have. So just prepare yourselves. Uh, I'm excited about 2024. I hope you are. I just feel it's going to be a good year. And I say that not like personally, but I mean like our, our church. I just, I'm confident that this year is going to be a good year for our church because we have the Lord. And there might be high moments and low moments, but we're going to get through this together because we have him. And I know there's going to be low moments. I mean, for me personally, um, I turned 30 this week. And so don't, don't clap. All right. I'm mourning. So just know. I know there's going to be low moments. Like it's just, it is what it is. And, and so I, I ask that you'd pray for me. And I don't even mean that ironically because we are talking about prayer this, this weekend and the next two weeks. And we're going to talk about the importance of prayer and how much um, we should pray. But I just want to get ahead of this right now. This is not a New Year resolution talk. All right, I don't, I don't want this to be the, the message that's like, okay, Northside, what are we doing? New Year's resolution. Oh, prayer. Cool. Now, I don't want it to be that because the statistics on New Year's resolutions are bad, like really bad. Does anyone here have a New Year's resolution? Raise your hand, anybody? You all just canceled yours. Okay. I don't want to like, I don't want to, I don't want to dishearten you. I want to inspire you. But this is some of the statistics and this is from the Ohio State University. All right. So no, you didn't make the playoff. Let's just calm down. All right. Like let's check our, let's check ourselves there. Here's the stats. Only 9% of people will complete a New Year's resolution. From January 1st all the way to December 31st, only 9% of people will complete a New Year's resolution. Even more shocking, um, 23% of people will quit by January 7th, <laughs> which I'm pretty sure is today. <laughs> it's like, the meaning of that is after one week, it's like, we're done, we're good. 50%, actually 43%, but I'm gonna round up to 50, will quit by February. In fact, Gold's Gym, if you know what that is, they have a date circled on their calendar since 2013. Um, it's February 9th and they call this date the Fitness Cliff. And they call it that because up until that point, they're really busy, but on February 9th in the Fitness Cliff, people just start dropping off the radar and they don't know where they are. And it's, it's, it's funny to talk about the, the fitness or, or, or other people not doing it, but when we talk about prayer, I would hate if, if we came to this. We, I think our church would hate if we came to this and we said, all right, prayer is our New Year's resolution. We're gonna do this. It's gonna be awesome. And then a week later, a quarter of us are done. If by February, half of us were done, it would be just upsetting if 9% of us said prayer is going to be something we're going to do all year and, all, and we're the only 9% who get it done. And that's why I think it's so important to understand this, that, that, that prayer should not be a news resolution. It should be a way of life. It needs to be ingrained into who we are. It needs to be a part of what we do. It cannot just be a task to accomplish. It needs to be a way that we live. I mean, the, the way that the Bible talks about prayer is not just a task to accomplish. Look at 1 Thessalonians 5.17. says this, that we should pray without ceasing. That's just not a task that you can, you can check off once a day and say, all right, I pray without ceasing today. Like, that is supposed to be a constant communication with the Lord. It's supposed to be a tool to deepen our faith, not just a resolution, 
I mean, Philippians 4, 6 says that we don't have to worry or, have, or be anxious about things because we can present our requests to God through prayer. James 5, 16 says that the prayer of a righteous person has power because it is working in our world. And this is what the Bible says about prayer. And it's not a resolution. It's not just a task. It is a way of life to live. And I'll just be very honest with you. I am one of the first people who needs to admit that I need this in my life. Um, at Northside, every, every December over the past few years, we've done this exercise. We call it success and successors. And you, you get this sheet and you kind of just look back at where you've been and then you look where you want to be in a few years, three years, usually what we say. Um, and you, you have all these areas where you say, like, what, what does success look like for you in these areas? It could be personal success. Um, there's a section for, for professional success. And there's a section for spiritual success. And I knew that this, this series was coming up, the Lord's Prayer. We're going to talk about how important it is to pray. And I kind of examined my own life. And I said, man, like, I, I really need to have a more robust prayer life. Like this, this, this is not where it should be. It's not where I want it to be. And so I wrote down on my success and successors page. I was like, I want a more robust prayer life. I want a better prayer life. Felt pretty good about myself. Turned it in. And for fun, I was like, you know, I'm gonna look at last year's just to see what it says. And I go back a full year and then I look under all these different sections and, and 2022, Jacob said, man, I really need a more robust prayer life. I really need to pray more. And there's just nothing like your past self reaching all a year forward to slap you in the face, to really wake you up. And I, it's, it's, it's funny, but it's sad um, because like this, this, I'm supposed to be teaching this and yet I can't even do this. And so let me just be one of the first people to admit that I need this too. I am learning this with you. I want to be as, as, as intense about this as I'm just saying. I'm not just doing lip service here. This is a heart issue for me as well. And what we desire here at Northside is that just becomes who we are as a church. That prayer, we understand the purpose and the significance of it in the Bible. That it is not our last resort when something happens, but it is our first instinct. When something good happens or when something bad happens, that we go to the Lord in prayer. In the mundane and in the regular, in the crazy and in the chaos, we go to the Lord in prayer, we speak with him. It's not a task to accomplish, but it is a way of life to live. And the way that Jesus would say it is that he wants us to become a when we pray church. A when we pray church. This comes from Matthew 6. Um, and if maybe you're new to church here, and uh, maybe, maybe your resolution was to come to church more. Um, don't, don't drop off on January 7th, all right? Like, let's, let's do this all, the whole year. But if you don't even know who Jesus is, I would encourage you, go read Matthew 5 through 7. And that is gonna give you the heart of who Jesus is as he kind of just teaches us about what he is about and what he cares for. And in the middle of this, in Matthew 6, he has this teaching about what it looks like um, to give to the needy and to pray. And there's this interesting two-word phrase that keeps coming up at the beginning of Matthew 6. I think we need to pay attention to. Um, in verse 2, Jesus says, when you give to the needy. In verse 3, he follows it up again. He says, when you give to the needy. In verse 5, he says, when you pray. In verse 6, he says, when you pray. And in verse 7, he says, when you pray. And get nerdy with me for a second. That word, when. 
is a conjunction that is an assumption of a real occurrence, even though it's not known what the specific time is. And what Jesus is saying is this, hey, because I'm teaching you, because you're followers of me, I am just assuming that you, you are praying, that you are a people that pray. It's not an if you pray situation, it is a when you pray situation. And so Jesus is saying like, hey, you, I want you to be a when you pray church. It is an assumption that as followers of Jesus, we pray. But here's the deal. If we want to be a when we pray church, we have to know how to pray. If we want to be a when we pray church, we have to know how to pray. Because here, here's what I assume is true for a lot of people in this room. I bet if you've been here for a while, You've been told to pray lots of times. And you've heard someone say like, pray more, pray better, pray big prayers, pray, pray, pray. And maybe you just don't know how. And you're sitting there thinking like, I, I, I want to pray better. I want to pray more, but I, I don't even know like how to, to do it. I don't even know what this looks like. And can I just assure you something really quickly? Um, you're in good company. Luke 11, the disciples who at this point had seen Jesus raise people from the dead they had seen him feed 5,000 people with just a few pieces of bread and some fish. They go to Jesus in Luke 11 and they say, hey, Jesus, can you teach us not how to do miracles, not how to raise people from the dead? Can you teach us to pray? And there's something about Jesus' prayer life that they wanted to know more about. They wanted to learn from and they didn't know how to do it well. And so if you don't know how to pray in this room, can I just... Um, give you the peace of mind. You're in the company of the people who started the church. So congratulations, it's a good place to be. And I never want, I'm not knowing how to pray, to hinder us from being a when we pray church. I don't want it to be confusing or you don't know if you're getting through or you don't know how to do it. Um, I remember one time my mom, uh, I got a text from her and it just said this, have you seen my email? And this was weird for me because me and my mom like don't email. I, that's just not a thing that we often do. Like we have phones and I, I would like to call her and text her. And so when she said that, I was like, oh, that's weird. And so I remember I, I was at church. I was in um, that building over there, the West Auditorium. And I, I was in a meeting and I was like, I need to go check my email really quickly. Um, and and I, I, I went and got on my computer and, and I read the email and it said this, hey, call me sometime from my mom. <laughs> and I called her and I said, um, this was the worst way to do this. I was like, if any other way would have, been, would have been a better way to do it. Now in her defense, she said, now you just started working at the church and I didn't want to bother you. And I was like, I literally spent more time getting up and going to see this email. And, and I get it and I, I love my mom and her heart is so there. But if she would have just called me, if she would have just emailed me or just would have texted me, it would have been so much clearer. And, and I don't want our prayer life to be like that. That when we pray, we're like, God, did you get that one? Like, did that one get through? Like, did we bother you on that one? We're like, God, like, did, did, I, did I say this right? Are you listening now? Like, did you hear my last message? Did you, did you get that one or didn't you leave another one? I don't want it to be like that. I want us to know how we pray so that we can boldly approach God when we speak to him. And if we want to be a when we pray church, we have to know how to pray. And here's the good news. Jesus teaches us in Matthew 6 how to pray. 
I'm a big proponent of reading the Bible together. And so at this time, if you'd like to, I would encourage you to get your Bible out. Um, you can get it on the iPad. It's a new thing in 2024. The iPad has Bibles now. It's crazy. Um, or your phone. Um, I would encourage you to go to Matthew 6. Matthew 6, starting in verse 5. And if you're a highlighter, an underliner, or a circler, there's going to be a few of those moments as well. But Matthew 6, verse 5. Here is what the word says. And when you pray, you've heard that before. When you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. And this is interesting to me. Um, I've heard a lot of sermons on the fact that I should pray and, and maybe even how to pray, but there's not many times where we've gone over this text in my life, how not to pray. But if Jesus tells me not to do something, I think it's a good idea to pause and take a look at it for a second. And Jesus specifically says there are two ways not to pray. And I don't want us to fall guilty to that. The first one is this, um, you saw it in verse five, this would be a time to underline. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners, you're ready for it, to be seen by others. When you pray, do not do it to just be seen by others. And Jesus says this, and this should scare some of us. If that's how we pray, just for the fact that we wanna impress somebody else or show somebody else how great we are at praying, our reward will simply be that, that we impress someone, that someone saw us praying. That's the reward we're gonna get. But Jesus says this, when you pray, don't, don't do that, but go into your room and shut the door and what you pray in private your father will reward. Now hear me when I say this, it doesn't say that your father is going to answer your prayer just like you asked for it and it's gonna be on your doorstep in a moment. No, it doesn't say that. It says your father who sees what you've done in secret will reward you though. And so when, when Jesus says this, what he's saying is our prayer life should not be done just so that we can look cool or we can look more holy to other people. That is not it. I was challenging this once. Um, I had a pastor ask me, he said, Jacob, he actually asked me two questions. He said, when was the last time you read the Bible without the purpose of teaching anyone? I didn't have an answer. And he said, when was the last time that you prayed and it wasn't on a stage? I didn't have an answer. And if you've been coming here a long time, can I just ask you this question? When was the last time you prayed that wasn't in this room? Because Jesus desires our prayer life to have this personal and private aspect. Is it bad that we pray together? Absolutely not. Jesus prayed with people all the time. The disciples prayed together. There was a prayer ministry at the beginning of the church. It was beautiful. But Jesus desires an aspect of our life to be done in private in prayer with him. Why? Because he wants it to be the authentic you. He just wants to talk to you. He doesn't want you to pray just so that other people can see you praying. He wants you to pray because you're talking to him. And when you pray, do not do it to be seen by others. And the second 
verse is this. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they'll be heard because of their many words. Now, I got a confession to make. Uh, I have not always understood the fullness of this text. Um, I always thought that this verse just meant like, oh, don't pray too long or else like, that's not, that's not good. God's not going to like that. And I can remember when I was younger, um, I was like in fourth or fifth grade, I'd go to church camp. And always in church camp, we, we would have these like prayer circles. Um, there was this place called Scenic Hills. I just remember it so vividly. We'd have these prayer circles and you would go and you'd hold hands. And because um, I'm romantic, I would always get between two girls. And so like without fail, I'd be like, hello, hello, like let us pray. But also always without fail, um, we would hold hands and the girl who would always pray before me just would always pray the most long, beautiful, like Shakespearean prayers of all time. It was crazy. And oftentimes if you didn't wanna pray, you would just squeeze a hand. And so she would pray this long prayer and I would just be like, I'm not gonna top that. I'd just squeeze a hand and be like, sorry, God. Right, like it's not gonna happen today. And then I got older and I read this verse and I wanted to go back to her and I wanted her to finish the prayer. And I just wanted to be like, pagan, right? Like, <laughs> how dare you? It's not what this means. That's not what this verse means. That phrase, keep on babbling, uh, really translates to vain repetitions. And the way we're gonna say it today is empty words. And it's this, it's saying a lot without saying a single thing. You've experienced this in your life before. Have you ever heard a five-year-old tell a story? They say a lot of words, and at the end, you're just like, what did you say? And some of our prayers can be like that. And that's scary, that we pray for a long time. We say a lot of beautiful words. We, we know all the things to say. We know how to say it. We know when to say it. We're not actually saying a thing. And Jesus says, when you pray, don't use empty words. Be meaningful. Be real. I talked to my father-in-law last night um, who came to watch, and, then, and he, he told me the story of the most meaningful prayer he ever prayed in his entire life. So when my brother-in-law, he was 10 months old at the time, was diagnosed with cancer. And at the time, all that Danny could see was, was, was that all these other kids were just passing away who had the same symptoms. And he said, it was not a long prayer, it was a short prayer, but he said, Lord, if it is your will that my son pass away, let it be for your glory somehow. And he told that to me right over there with tears in his eyes, I mean, years later. And that was not a long, beautiful prayer. But boy, was it a beautiful, meaningful prayer because it was who my father-in-law was. It was his heart. It was not empty words. It was full words. And so Jesus starts and he says, do not pray like these two ways. I find this so interesting. At the end of the section, verse eight, he says, do not be like them for your father knows what you need before you even ask him. And you could hear that and be like, okay, so what's, what am I even praying for then? If he already knows what I need, why should I even talk to him? And that's, that's the key right there because God wants you to talk to him. He wants to have a relationship, a communication style with you. Have you ever thought before that the same God who with words created the universe wants to have words with you? He wants to speak with you and he wants you to speak to him. That is the beauty of our God. He just wants to talk to you. 
He just wants to be with you, the authentic, the meaningful you. And if we want to be a when we pray church, we have to know how to pray. So that's how not to pray, but how do we pray? And here's the good news. Jesus goes on. And I hope at this point, by the way, I hope you're feeling a little bit of freedom. That maybe your whole life you've, you've, you've held these scales against you and you've been like, well, I can't pray like that. I don't know what that word even means that he just said. How can I pray that word? Like, that's not going to work. It's not about that. It is about this, though. And Jesus says, this is how you should pray then when it's time to pray. Matthew 6, verses 9 and 10. This, then, is how you should pray. Now, pause really quickly. That phrase right there is so key because Jesus isn't just telling us what to pray. He is telling us, explaining to us how to pray. Um, you see this a lot of time in the book of Acts. Um, there's things that are descriptive and not prescriptive. It's not like Jesus is saying like, all right, disciples, like take two of these prayers a day and you'll be good to go. It's not what he's saying. He's describing a way to pray that, that is good and that is helpful and that is fruitful. And so when we read this, um, I don't want you to be like, okay, this is a script to follow. No, it's a template. Now, does that mean that the Lord's prayer is a bad thing to say? Absolutely not. It's the words of Jesus, as long as it's authentic and meaningful to you. If we just say this as an empty phrase, as a vain repetition, as babbling, Jesus says, I'd rather you not do that. That's not how you should pray. He wants it to be authentic and real. And so this is descriptive, not prescriptive. It is a template and not a script. And he says, this is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And you notice at the, at the beginning here, Never once does he talk about himself. But at the beginning here, it's this. It's, it's, it's your name. Lord, it's your kingdom and it's your will that should be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I think that's important to notice that he never talks about himself. He starts with God. And what I think he's trying to tell us right here is that we need to start with surrender. Our prayers should start with surrendering, surrendering what we want and what we will for what he wants and what for he wills. It should start with surrender. And I think when we pray like this, it's dangerous. It truly is dangerous because I think, we think that when this happens, um, you're gonna change. Things about your life are going to change. And the number one thing that's going to change when we start to pray with this surrender first in our lives is not your surroundings, but it's inside of you. When we pray with surrender, the first thing that's gonna change is, is, is you. And what matters to you is going to change what you value. How you see your perspective of life is going to change and how you live life. Your inner life is going to change. I mean, just take a look at each of these, these things that he surrenders over. He starts with your name. He said, Lord, hallowed be your name. That word hallowed is worthy of respect or reverence. It's really circling the idea of the fear of the Lord and saying, like, God, it's your name, like your name above my own name. I don't want my name to be praised. I want your name to be praised. But this can be hard for some of us because some of our names carry weight. 
And some of our names carry respect with them. And when we say our name or we hear someone's last name, we're like, oh, like I know that person. And can I just be really honest? This one's hard for me. And it's a weird thing um, because like of what I do and sometimes I get to be on the stage and I get to talk to a lot of people, it can be really easy for me to all of a sudden be like, well, my, my name kind of matters. Like I, I, my, I, I need to make sure my name is like remembered by people. And I can say it in Jesus's name, remember my name because I'm doing it for Jesus. But here's the deal. My name does not bring dead people back to life and make the darkness run. Jesus's does. And if I want my name to be remembered over his, it's not ever going to turn out the way I want it to in my life. When his name is more famous, when his name is remembered, when his name is proclaimed, when we pray and surrender our name for his name, it will change what we value. All of a sudden, it won't matter if someone knows who I am All of a sudden, it won't matter what opportunity I get or what I don't get because it's just all about is Jesus getting the the fame and the glory and and, and the remembrance. Is that Jesus' name is getting remembered. That's what happens when we pray to surrender our name and not his. The second thing, when we pray for his kingdom over our own, I think our perspective will change the way we see and all of a sudden, our our, our little kingdoms that we build for ourselves, um, our, 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 our webs, our lives that we have, they're going to change and how we view people is going to change. And this is going to be hard for some of us because some of our kingdoms are impressive and we've meticulously planned every single piece of it. And, and we got the job that we want. And we got the money that we want. We got the house that we want. We got the car that we want, the family we want. And our kingdom is looking good and the walls are high and we can face any attack. But you have to remember our kingdom, my kingdom will not reign forever, but his will. And when we pray for his kingdom over our own, all of a sudden, I think the way we see our kingdoms will change. And our jobs won't be about just climbing the ladder. We'll see it as a mission field. And our families just won't be about making um, everybody happy and hopefully we just get through the day. It'll be a mission field. It'll be about discipleship in our homes. And, And our money won't just be about how much we can accumulate, but it'll be how much we can give because we want to see the kingdom of God explode in our city, in our state, in our country, in this world. It starts when we surrender our kingdom for his. And the final one is when we pray for his will over our own, I think our lives will change. And it won't hinge anymore on on the good or the bad of life. We won't say, man, life is good or bad just based upon what's happening in life. We will always say, man, we have the Lord and his will is his will. And so I'm gonna align with it at all times. And we will know that even when things aren't okay, we will be okay when we surrender our will to his. I remember one time I was um, teaching this to middle schoolers. And at the end of this, it was a small group time. We kind of sat in a circle and we, we talked about all these things, about surrendering our will and, and what it looks like to pray and how not to pray. And at the end, I said, hey, does anyone want to pray for us? And all the, the middle schoolers kind of looked at each other for a second. There was these six uh, middle school boys and they were like, is this a trap? Right? Like, does he want us to pray for real? Is this a joke? And finally, one kid rose his hand. He said, hey, I'll pray. And I said, thank you so much, David. Like, that is awesome. And so David jumps into this prayer. It's beautiful. And he's like, Lord, thank you for, you know, this person in our group and this person. And, and Lord, you are so amazing in this way. And it's just this beautiful prayer. And he's doing everything um, that Jesus has asked him to do in prayer. And at the end of it, he, he, he said this. And Lord, 
if you could allow six brand new Lamborghinis to be in the parking lot after church, <laughs> may that be your will. And I was just like, yes, Lord, amen, Lord. I, like, and he said, amen. And we all like looked up and laughed at each other. We're like, oh, David, likes crazy. But there was a window right here. And I was like, David, okay, no, like, <laughs> not your will, not your will, right? But some of us, um, this is hard. Because our will right now that we are praying for is for sickness to be healed. And we're saying, God, th th this is what I want. Please let this be your will that this sickness is healed. And it just feels like it's not. And every time you get a report, it's not. And you're saying, I want this so bad. And it's hard to surrender your will in that moment. It's hard when your will is that you just want one person that you've been praying for for years to come to Jesus. And you've been waiting and you've been waiting and you've been waiting and you're thinking, are you ever gonna do this, Lord? Like I, this is your will, right? This is what you want. But when we surrender our will to his, we are remembering it's not our will that governs the universe. It's his. His will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And when we pray with this surrender, it'll change what matters to us, change what we value, it'll change the way we see it, and it'll change the way we live because it'll be by his will, not our own. If we want to be a when we pray church, this is how to pray. Authentically, with meaning, we surrender. We authentically and meaningfully surrender to him. And we're going to see later, there, there is times we are supposed to present our requests to God. He asked for us to do that. But Jesus starts with surrender. And so what I want to do um, right now is put that into practice. Um, some of you know what these are. Uh, these are kneeling pads. We had an older staff member this week in Northside. He saw these and he goes, oh, we have to kneel. <laughs> so if that's you, um, just know that you're not, you're not alone. But what I'm gonna ask you to do is I'm gonna ask you to, if you feel comfortable, if you feel okay with this, I'm gonna ask you to come to your knees with me. Um, and there's just something about this posture that I think reminds us of surrender. Can I be very honest with you? When I would have been in, in, in high school or college, if you're a high school or a college kid in this room right now, I, there's no chance I would have done this because for me, this would have been weakness. Like getting on my knees is weird and I don't wanna do this. I, it, it shows a side of weakness, but here's what I've gotten to know. And maybe you know this too, the weaker I am, the stronger he is. And so this is a beautiful moment for us. And what we're gonna do is we're gonna do exactly what we just learned. Now, if, if you can't get on your knees, it's not physically able, that's okay. If you're new here, and you're like, I knew they were weird. They have golf carts in the, in the parking lot. Like, that's, me. that's fine. Like, you don't have to do this. It is totally okay. But I will ask you maybe to lean into the uncomfort if, if you're willing. Sometimes I think it's, it's good to be uncomfortable for Jesus. What we're gonna do is we're just gonna practice what we just talked about. We're gonna pray. And I'm not gonna let you off the hook. You're doing this. So right now, wherever you're at, authentically with meaning. Just acknowledge the same way that, that, that Jesus started and said, our God, our Father who art in heaven, he called him Father. Just acknowledge the closeness of God at your seat. 
And now just take a second to surrender your name. Surrender your name for his name. Now surrender your kingdom for his kingdom, whether it be a kingdom of success that you have or a kingdom of fear that you're, you're afraid to leave. Surrender your kingdom for his. And finally, just surrender your will for his will. That whatever it is that he wills, you know is good. <laughs>